You're listening to a Hindustan Times podcast brought to you by HD Smartcast. You are listening to World and Wars with me Aditi Prasad. It's your daily dose of triumphs, tragedies and untold stories of global conflicts. On October 20th, Hamas released its first two hostages, Judith and Natalie. Both were Americans. At that time, Hamas in a statement said that they were released for humanitarian reasons in an agreement brokered by Qatar. The urgent work to free every single American, to free all other hostages, continues. As does our work to secure the safe passage out of Gaza for the Americans who are trapped there. In this particular instance, uh, I want to thank the government of Qatar for their very important assistance. That was Anthony Blinken, one of the top officials of the US government praising Qatar for helping in the release of hostages. Interestingly, this is the same Qatar where the big chunk of Hamas's top leadership is based. As a long-standing backer of the Muslim Brotherhood, Qatar has huge influence over Hamas. Not just is Doha home for Hamas's exiled political bureau, but over the years it has funneled billions of dollars into the enclave. Some would say even helped the radical Islamist group Hamas become what it is in the Gaza Strip today. Yet it now finds itself in the cushy position of being the broker-in-chief in the current Middle East diplomatic game. How did Qatar manage to balance relations between the Hamas and the West? And how long can the balancing act last given the regional and global stakes? Qatar is a tiny nation in the Middle East. For context, its area is only slightly larger than the Indian state of Tripura. Its population is even smaller than Tripura's. Like other countries in the region, Qatar has become extremely rich because of its oil and gas reserves. Its per capita GDP is $82,000. Saudi Arabia is far behind with a per capita GDP of $32,000. India's per capita GDP is $2,000. Qatar has been using this money to buy up influence in its neighborhood and beyond. As part of the strategy, Qatar often develops deep connections with groups that other countries would not go anywhere near. This has resulted in Qatar playing mediator in many conflicts across the northern hemisphere, from Afghanistan to Russia to the Middle East. In the latest, Qatar is helping mediate for the release of hostages taken by Hamas during its October 7th attack on Israel. Qatar is in a unique position to do this. First, Qatar hosts an American military base, some say the largest in the region. Qatar, in fact, helped American service members and Afghan refugees flee the Taliban after the 2021 US withdrawal. For the effort, Biden gifted Qatar the tag of major non-NATO ally. 
Qatar also has intermittent trade relations with Israel since the 1990s, although they don't have formal diplomatic ties. On the other hand, of course, are Qatar's ties with Hamas. The current chief of Hamas, Ismail Haniya, and his predecessor, Khalid Mashal, are both based in Doha. Qatar also sends large sums of money to Gaza as humanitarian aid. Doha claims that it has sent more than two billion pounds to Gaza so far. But playing mediator is not a first for Hamas. In 2017, Qatar is believed to have persuaded Hamas to dilute its stand and move closer to accepting an independent Palestinian nation on the 1967 borders. This marked Hamas taking a step away from the agenda of Iran, its main benefactor. In 2020, Doha was the venue where America and the Taliban held talks as the U.S. decided to withdraw its troops from Afghanistan. Amid the ongoing Russia-Ukraine war, Qatar helped negotiate the release of Ukrainian children from Russia. In September, Qatar played a role in Iran releasing five Americans. This role of middleman is not accidental. It's a central part of Qatar's national security strategy. It's a tiny nation in an unstable region. Added to this is the fact that Qatar is trapped between two large enemy nations, Saudi Arabia and Iran. This is why Qatar uses this money to be able to project itself as a problem solver and to have a seat at the big table in international matters. But this strategy has also landed Qatar in trouble. In 2017, Saudi Arabia, UAE, Bahrain and Egypt had imposed a blockade on Qatar. They froze travel, trade and diplomatic relations with Doha. The four countries had accused Qatar of supporting terrorist groups and allying too closely with Iran. Qatar denied the allegations, but the blockade lasted nearly four years. Now the Israel-Hamas war poses a fresh challenge for Doha. Qatar would not want the conflict to spread to the rest of the region. If Iran and the U.S. get involved, it would most probably lead to the closure of the Strait of Hormuz. It connects the Persian Gulf and the Gulf of Oman. Around one-fifth of the world's daily oil supply passes through the Strait of Hormuz. It has already seen military tension between Iran and the U.S. in recent years. If the Strait of Hormuz closes, it would deal a huge blow to Qatar's economy since it is one of the largest exporters of liquefied natural gas. Other important trade passages like the Suez Canal would also be impacted if the force spreads in the Middle East. To prevent escalation of the conflict, Qatar is under pressure from the U.S. to help the hostages get out as quickly as possible from Gaza. But if all hostages leave the Palestinian enclave, then the path would be clear for Israel to launch a large-scale invasion of Gaza. This would go against Qatar's pro-Palestine agenda and puts its investment of billions of pounds in Gaza at risk. Also, if Hamas is finished, then Qatar would lose a major foothold in the region. Qatar may have helped with negotiations in some very complicated conflicts around the world.
but Doha's litmus test is now. How will Qatar navigate the Israel-Hamas stalemate? Can the Emirs manage to appease the West as well as the Muslim Brotherhood? And can they do all this while retaining Qatar's importance as the UN of the Middle East? The tightrope walk has just begun. This is me signing off now. If you have any queries, reach out to me at the rate of Prasad Aditi on X. This podcast was produced by Deeksha Chaurasia, edited by Sanju Abraham. Meet you in the next episode. Ciao. To stay updated on this podcast, follow us at HD Smartcast on all the major social media platforms. To listen to more such podcasts, log on to www.hdsmartcast.com. Hold up. 